皆様こんにちは。ハーバート・スミス・フリーヒルズビジネス・ディベロップメントの後藤と申します。本日のポッドキャストでは、先日インドネシアで可決されたオムニバス法案について、当事務所の東京及びジャカルタチームが解説します。具体的には、オムニバス法案の概要、日本企業をはじめとした外国企業に同法案が及ぼす影響、いわゆるネガティブリストと呼ばれるインドネシアにおける外資規制対象分野に対する影響、またコロナ禍及びポストコロナにおけるインドネシア投資に注目し、同法案が及ぶしる影響について検討します。なお、ポッドキャストは英語で行いますが、日本語でもご質問を受け付けておりますので、お気軽にご連絡ください。本日のスピーカーは日本 M&A プラクティスヘッドのグレーム・プレストン、当事務所のジャクルタ提携事務所のヒスワラ・ブンジャミン・タンジュンのシニア・インターナショナル・カウンセルのビッグ・タン、パートナーのテグー・アル・ウィコ、およびインターナショナル・カウンセルのシリア・コグナードです。では、お聞きください。Thank you, Naoko, for that introduction. My name is Graham Preston and I'm head of the corporate M&A team here in Tokyo. I have done many transactions in Indonesia and work very closely with our team in Jakarta. So, turning to the subject of today's podcast regarding the new omnibus law, my first two questions for Vic Tang are what is it and why now has it been introduced? Vic. Thanks, Graham. The full name of the legislation is actually Law Number 11 of 2020 on Job Creation, and it is more popularly known as the Omnibus Law. The, unquestionably, like a lot of other countries in the world at the moment, Indonesia's economy has been significantly affected by the COVID 19 pandemic this year, and the Indonesian government considers this. Landmark legislation really as a key part of its reform efforts to free up and rationalize important parts of Indonesia's economy. The aim really is to cut red tape, attract more foreign investment, and to create more jobs for Indonesians. In particular, the omnibus law seeks to override and modify provisions of over 78. Separate existing laws in Indonesia, which covers various areas and sectors,、uh, primarily with a view to simplifying and consolidating all these laws. The scope of the omnibus law is very wide, ranging from licensing and investment approval processes, reforms around distribution of power or authority among various government institutions when it comes to approving foreign investment. It also covers employment and land procurement processes, which is important for efficient foreign investment in Indonesia. I think this is the first time that the government of Indonesia has initiated such a pro investment law reform in Indonesia in such a holistic way. So, this is in short quite a landmark、uh, law reform effort in Indonesia. In terms of Timing, the law was passed by the Indonesian House of Representatives or the parliament here on 5th of October 2020. And on 2nd of November, the president, President Jokowi, has signed the legislation into law. Just a bit by way of background, the omnibus law has been a long time coming. 
and has been discussed in the public domain in Indonesia since uh, late 2019, if not earlier. It went through the party political approval process in the House of Representatives over the last six months or so as the COVID-19 pandemic took hold in Indonesia. And as the Indonesian economy enters a recession this year, the first in almost a period of 20 years, it becomes increasingly urgent that the Indonesian economy remains competitive. And hence the government is pushing, is pushing through these reform measures quickly in a bid to attract more foreign investment by making Indonesia an easier place to do business in. As for the immediate next steps, the government here is currently in the process of preparing the draft implementing regulations as mandated under the omnibus law that will cover the detailed provisions of the amended law, uh, as the law itself tends to be drafted in quite general and high-level terms. These implementing regulations are meant to be finalized in the next three months or so, although it will not be surprising if there is some delay in this. Back to you, Graham. Thank you, Vic. That was a, a very helpful summary. Tegu, uh, many of our Japanese clients will be very interested in hearing about the key features of the omnibus law. Would you be good enough to take us through those, please? Uh, sure, Graham. Thank you. So. One of the key themes in the omnibus law is in relation to centralization of powers back to central government. So this includes authority to issue business licenses and also authority to issue key business-related regulations, such as regulation on spatial planning and building constructions. This centralization of powers is expected to enable the central government to synchronize national and regional regulations and prevent an overly complicated bureaucracy from impeding investment in the energy economy. Another key theme is the streamlining of licensing requirements and processes. In this regard, importantly, the omnibus law introduces a risk-based approach to licensing. Overall objective is to introduce a more measured approach to licensing regime, which is commensurate with risk involved. It is expected that this licensing reform can reduce the time required to complete the licensing or regulatory approval process and ensure that complex or more comprehensive licensing processes are only required where the proposed activities are likely to have a significant risk. Risk-based business licensing is applied by first determining the risk level of business activities and then dividing business activities into four broad categories, namely low risk, medium low risk, medium high risk, and high risk. It seems that under the omnibus law, the comprehensive licensing approval will now only be required in respect of high risk business activities, while the other types of or, or, or lower risk business activities will only be subject to the requirements to obtain a business registration number and standard certifications. The next key theme uh, is, is foreign investment. Omnibus law emphasizes that the investment law will apply to and be the main reference for investments in all sectors in Indonesia. What this means is that it would create a stronger legal basis for foreign investors to rely on investment protections provided under the investment law, 
such as equal treatment principle, right to repatriation of capital and profits, and also protection from nationalization without compensation. The omnibus law also requires that a new presidential regulation to be known as the investment priority list be introduced within three months, and, and such list is expected to include and amend the detailed requirements on foreign ownership restrictions under the current uh, investment negative list. Another notable point is that omnibus law also removes foreign investment restrictions which are contained in some, but not all, sectoral laws. One example is the foreign ownership restriction on airport service businesses, which was previously regulated under the Indonesian aviation law. By removing these restrictions from the law, which enactment would require approval from the parliament, the central government will have more flexibility to consolidate and regulate applicable foreign ownership restrictions in lower level regulation, such as the investment priority list. Now, in addition to the above general key themes, the omnibus law also introduces some new amendments in certain sectoral laws. One notable example is the Indonesian labor law. Indonesia's overly employee-friendly labor laws are often perceived as impeding Indonesia's ability to attract foreign investment. It is an issue which not only affects foreign investors, but also affects local investors as well. The labor law reforms in omnibus law have largely been controversial because they are widely reported to introduce a fundamental shift in employee protection in Indonesia. While this might be true for certain aspects of the law, the implementation of certain key changes, such as employee entitlements upon termination, actually still remain subject to the issue of the implementing regulation. And therefore, at this stage, it might be a little bit premature to make such an assessment, as some of these changes may actually be employee-friendly, depending on the terms of the implementing regulations. Over back to you, Graham. Thank you. Thank you very much. I guess the key question for many Japanese clients will be around any restrictions on making an investment in Indonesia under the new regime. Celia, I wonder if you could explain to us what, what this means for a Japanese company looking to invest in Indonesia. Sure, Graham. Um, prior to the enactment of the omnibus law, there was a lot of speculation in the media that the foreign ownership rules in the so-called negative investment list have been abolished by omnibus law. Well, this is not entirely correct. While the term negative investment list may no longer be used following the omnibus law, it is still likely that foreign investors will have to work with a system that includes sectoral foreign ownership restrictions. As mentioned by Tegu earlier, the omnibus law amends the Indonesian investment law, and the amendment comprises high-level changes to the broad investment regulation framework in Indonesia. It contains a list of six prohibited sectors, which are expressly closed to any private investment, so whether foreign or local, namely the manufacture of class one narcotics, gambling activities, chemical weapons production, fishery of endangered species, collection of corals for building materials, 
and production of industrial chemicals and ozone depleting substances. So as you can see, this list is not really an exhaustive replacement of the current negative investment list, which covers over 500 different sectors. The omnibus law also requires a new presidential regulation known as the investment priority list, as mentioned by Chair Tegu earlier. And this is intended to be issued by early February 2021. We anticipate that this regulation will contain four categories of sectors, namely the prioritized sectors that will be given fiscal incentives, sectors that will be given non-fiscal incentives, including the easing of certain licensing requirements, investment locations, and provision of infrastructure and energy support, sectors that are designated for micro, small, and medium-scale enterprises, and finally, sectors that are open to investment but subject to certain conditions, such as the equity uh, ownership restrictions, which are quite similar to the foreign ownership restrictions we are seeing you know, under the negative investment list. So while we hope to see a general opening up towards foreign investment across all sectors, the exact makeup of the new investment priority list will really depend on various political and industry considerations. Back to you, Graeme. Thank you, Celia. I think that hopefully will be very helpful for our Japanese clients thinking about making an investment in Indonesia. More generally, I would be very interested to hear about investment trends in Indonesia currently, given the COVID situation, and what we can expect looking into 2021. And I guess, will the omnibus law make a difference to those potential trends? Yeah, we're, we're currently seeing three interesting investment trends, uh, Graham, in Indonesia since COVID-19. Uh, the first trend involves the raising of fresh capital and the sale of non-core assets by various Indonesian conglomerates and state-owned enterprises, which operate in the most affected sectors like transportation, tourism, and real estate as these companies want to strengthen and improve their core businesses. The second trend emerging across key business sectors is the increased adoption of digital tools, in particular in the healthcare sector with the growth of health tech or telemedicine. Even before the pandemic, there was already a huge push by the Indonesian government towards a digital economy. A 2020 Southeast Asia report issued by Google, Temasek, and Bain stated that the Indonesian internet-related economy has grown to 44 billion U.S. dollars. And so the pandemic has accelerated the adoption of digital tools in light of the new normal way of doing business. And the Indonesian government and its medical profession have responded quite quickly with new regulations and policies that provide greater legal certainty, both for online medical practice and the distribution of pharmaceutical products through online platforms. And finally, the third trend we're seeing is the accelerated growth of e-commerce and its supporting activity. 
e-commerce has continued to do well despite the pandemic. And according to the report I mentioned earlier, e-commerce remains the main growth driver in Indonesia. And the volume of e-commerce transactions actually doubled during COVID-19. So as e-commerce platforms continue to grow, we are seeing increased activities in the supporting sectors such as logistics. So perhaps I can finish by asking this question, so will the omnibuslow make a difference? We think it's quite still too early to tell. As highlighted by Vic and to go earlier, the omnibuslow is a major piece of legislation and its success will really depend on its implementing regulations and in particular the investment priority list. We'd love to come back and chat to you again, Graeme, once those regulations are issued. Celia, thank you very much, and also thank you to Vic and, and Tegu. I think that hopefully was a, a very informative and interesting uh, podcast which summarises the main developments in relation to the omnibus law. Of course, if you have any follow-up questions, we would be delighted to answer them. So please do contact us using the details provided. Thank you very much for listening. ご説明いただいたように、様々な面において、インドネシアで投資やビジネスを行う日本企業及び外国企業に影響が及ぶことは必至です。ですので、これらをより深く理解し、あらかじめリスクとチャンスに対して万全を期すことが重要になると言えます。オムニバス法案やインドネシア投資及び同国にてビジネスを行うにあたり、ご質問がある場合はお気軽にご連絡ください。本日は貴重なお時間をいただきありがとうございました。